go the other way. I say, I am not that. <laughs> it's just another way, you know, that. <laughs> yeah. In other words, for me, you know, not even for me, but just there is one aspect that's available at all times in every every moment, yeah, which is seeing your awareness. You know, there's something if there's a sense of you noting something, I would say that's a mental state, but there is there is noting, there is awareness. Yeah? So let's say that's that is what I am. I am that seeing. Now it doesn't mean that I'm the seer. It just means I'm the seeing. Yeah? And I would say our nature is more verb like than it is noun like. In other words, it's more no-thingness than it is thing. Yeah? So, so can I, I apply that if I am thinking I'm really angry about something? Yeah. And step back from it and go, no, I'm not? Well, you can just, well, you can just ask yourself a question. Who is it that's angry about something? Instead of being so concerned about what you're angry about or whatever, maybe ask a subjective question if you like. Yeah? Who is it that's angry? Because if it isn't you, the anger won't have that much meaning, as much as it is when it's you. Yeah. The you gives everything all the meaning it has. See, like in the Course of Miracles, it would say that there's a, one of the axioms, <coughs> the lessons of the Course of Miracles is that you and I give everything all the meaning it has. Yeah. Now you can read it as me being us, you and I, or you can actually look at it as you being this, yes, that when identified or mixed up with the I is called a me, if that you is giving it the meaning, and then the I, meaning let's say awareness or spirit, is giving it the meaning, there are two different meanings that are given. When the you, or let's say the you, identified as a me, that would be a self-centered meaning that's going to be given to everything. And we've been through all that. We've been, we've been seeing the self-centered meaning for many, many years. Supposedly, yeah, we've seen it quite a lot. We've been over every inch of it, yeah, in the seeing of that. Yeah? But let's say the, if the I was giving everything all the meaning it has, that would be a revelatory event, yeah? because the meanings of things would seem to sort of, uh, well, find out, really. That's the best way to go, is to find out. So if, if it's true that you and or I is giving everything all the meaning it has, and you've been sort of uh, feeding on the meaning that self-centeredness gives you in your life, yeah? and then you see that whatever you've put value in, or you believe that thing has an inherent value, you gave it that value, actually. In other words, like, before you perceive something, the mind's projected it. So you actually think you're seeing it as if it's a new experience right now, but the mind projected it way before you get to perceive it. Yeah? So... Yeah, but we take it to be me seeing it. So, if I, if the I is giving everything all the meaning it has, well, that's find out, you know, just question, see what happens. So, what, what, I, what I entertained was, well, who's this you that's giving all this meaning that I'm taking to be so real? Yeah? Instead of going over every meaning and trying to sort of, you know, enlarge that good meaning and diminish that bad meaning. Well, what's giving it the meaning? And if it's not me, I'll lose interest in that center, right, that meaning giver. And then that leaves room for another meaning to be given. And then for me, in this sense, I hate to use the word for me, but, you know, in this situation, uh, 
I'm in a state of like, I don't know, because I don't know what I am. You can never know what you are from what you're not. It's impossible, yeah? So the mind is in a state of, I don't know, and in that state, what happens is the mind finds out. Yeah? And that's a very much stronger form of knowledge than knowing. See, when the mind, the, the conditional mind knows, it's like a form of neutering it. It gives everything all the meaning it has, and it deadens it. You're never really surprised by anything, in a sense, yeah? But when, when that is like a, suspended and you're in the I don't know, then what happens is things are revealed to you. And when that revelation occurs, it has a much stronger uh, power than self-knowledge. Yeah? It has a power to convince, thoroughly convince. It has a power to free, thoroughly free, from an imaginary bondage. It has a lot of power. Yeah? The point is, like in recovery, it says self-knowledge avails us nothing. So we're being introduced to by, uh, with knowledge quite a lot every day, but the selfing is, is first movement is the claim. So when it, you believe it's you that has received this knowledge, it actually neuters it to lead to any point of being free from that you. Yeah. You're gonna, you may think of freedom, but you'll be thinking of it as, I want to be free as this. Yeah. I want freedom as self, not from it. So this is a whole, this is why the message is, when I entertained I wasn't that, that idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, an amazing thing occurred, is the interest and attention that was wedded to that idea was dismissed, and it could start going other places, and it could start being distributed in another way, in other, everything, like being stuck in a self-centered loop of importance, yeah, boom, everything, everything I meet, I'm the only one who meets it, yeah, boom, boom, if, you know, 50 problems, I'm the one who has the problems, yeah, so all this self-centered loop, and the interest and attention is what, what produces the sense of being bonded to it, because you can't pull your interest and attention away from it, because it's about you, there's a huge investment on what happens to you, if someone else comes and talks about the same thing going on in their head, you have an immunity to it, because it's not you. <laughs> it's that simple. You didn't take classes to get immune to it. You just don't have it because it's not about you. Well, it's great when it's applied to this, not just to others, but to actually that. When you see that you're not that, which is the center of the system, the system loses its oomph. It weakens. And what happens when it weakens, it opens up, and what you sense is the space. Yeah. Instead of that cluttering of all this meaning, and all the sucked into the center of self all day, now it disperses and what you get a sense of isn't all the little particulars but the space that they're in, yeah? The space that you're in and you realize maybe it may dawn on you that you are that space of mind instead of the content of mind. Yeah? And the point is, you as an action figure is part of the content. That is not the context. Life is not happening to you. <laughs> it's not. It's not happening to you. It's happening, and part of it's happening is there, there's a sense, there's this object called you. Yeah. We do this a lot, but look, it's simple. I'm looking right now, I see you, yeah. and then I see you, 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 I see you. Let's say I see nine yous in you. Let's say it's for the internet, I see 80 yous. I think we had a bigger meeting. I, you, you, 80 yous, yeah. So everyone, that's the experience. I am seeing you. Now you're having the same experience in a sense, yeah? Where you're sitting, it's I. Seeing, yeah? and this is a you to you, yeah? Right. So let's say we've hit 800 people in here. 
So now I see 800 views, and then 8,000 views, 8 million views. So there's the I seeing you, and everyone else would be having the same experience from their location. It would be I seeing views, and at, from their point of view, I'm a you, yeah? From all the other people's point of view, I'm a you. Yeah? And from my point of view, all of you are yous. Okay, what happens? There's a simple question, well, who is it, who's this I? So my mind goes, well, it's me. Wait a minute. What's the me? The me is when the mental process takes subjectivity, claims it, and weds it with the object of the body, which is a you. Yeah. I mean, if you ask every 800 of those people, who did they see, they would say you. If I brought 8 million people in, they'd say the same thing, you. I'm the only one that calls this you me. I'm the only one. This is the only me there is. <laughs> so the I, which I would say is awareness, yeah, consciousness, is wedded to the idea of this body, this you, and now it becomes an identified you, which is a me. Yeah? This is the bondage of self. As soon as the object is taken to be the subject, yeah, and you take yourself to be that subject, which is only the object, yeah, it causes an incredible confusion here. Yeah? You become the center of the universe. Now life is happening to you. Yeah? That's the only way your mind can see it. Life is happening to you. It's like when I was young and my father got really ill. He'd been playing with me for six years or so. You know, and he's my father and a lot of activities together. And then he got really ill and he couldn't play with me anymore. So my family got together. I'm sure my mother talked to me and my grandmother and the doctor probably came and said, you know, Paul, your dad's ill and you're not going to be able to see him as much as you used to. Now, all that evidence, yep, I could have heard it. But how I truly digested it was I must have done something wrong to make my father not to want to see me. That's called self-centeredness. There's no other way, there was no other place my mind could take that information but to that. Because it was identified in that self-centered system. You are going to see yourself somehow as the cause or the doer of whatever's going on. Yeah? There's no freedom in that. That's like a giant branch that everything that has happened, seemingly through you, has been claimed by the me as being the one who did it. Yeah? Every bit. And it just produces guilt and shame and pride and it just, it takes this insane possibility that you're the doer and it cultivates it and it's like a marijuana plant. It just hybrids and hydroponics it so the buds are so fucking juicy and smelly and it just produces an intoxicating thing called the trance of self. And it smokes it constantly. Yeah? And the, it keeps, it's an interest and attention coming from, I'm the doer, keeps feeding this, this plant with the most, the greatest nutrients in interest and attention. I mean, you're like a, a you're like a, a no-thing sun. When you put your attention and interest, not yours, but when mine puts an interest and attention on something, it does something to that something, I'll tell you. So there you go, you're smoking it, and yet you want to get out of the guilt and shame, but you don't want to look that you're not the doer. There's no way you can get rid of guilt and shame when there's the sense of being a doer. There's no fucking way. You can have 50 years of therapy. It's not going to work. It may look, on the surface it may go, but the bottom line is it's rooted in. I did it, therefore, you know, it's like I have the, I have the itch, and I scratch, you know, I scratch it, I should suffer. It's just that simple. Yeah. So, 
It's, it's important in a way, you can look at the movement of selfing, because selfing is the movement of mind. The selfing cannot become a self. Yeah? It's a mental process. If you want to, in recovery, they say you've got to quit playing God. It is the high, it's the biggest form of the mental process trying to play God. It's trying to become a self, which it can never be. So all it is, is it's, a, it's like a desire to become, or a desire to not become. It wants to become something else. So let's say you have an old belief that you're a loser. So therefore, the mental activity is a desire to become something other than that, yeah? All the time. Or it has an idea, oh, I'd really like to be that, so it has a desire to become that. Yes? Da, 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 da. So it's moving like this, just always desiring to become, yet it can't come to fulfillment because no matter how much you're thought about by the system, the idea of you, no matter how much everything that ever happens is claimed by the idea of being you, no matter how much you play the role of being the center, you are not a self. You are not a body. Yeah. No matter how much you want to be, you're not going to become that. It's impossible. Because you are something prior to that. Yeah. So here's so this desire to become, like in Buddhism say, desire is the root of all suffering. Well, I'd say one of the original desires is the desire to become. So the mind, the mental process is desire to become, is the desire to become a self. Yes? It wants to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, so it can have private love and be special and right and all like this. And it wants to be the doer and all like this. It wants to have all these aspects of what it calls God, but in a very distorted, self-centered manner. Yeah? So here's the desire to become, but it can never fulfill it. So there's an unfulfillment inherent in the movement. So the agitation is never going to lead to rest. It's just released from agitation. Yes? It can't rest. Because it can't become what it's driven to become. You can't be a self. Yeah? So here you go. So what happens when this desire to become can't be fulfilled? Other desires arise to try to deal with that. The unfulfillment of this movement produces desires to get relief from that unfulfillment. And so addictions occur. A lot of addictions occur. All, all rooted in the primary addiction of mind to the idea of being a self. It's only addicted to the idea of being a self. It's not, it can't be a self. It can't pull that off. Yeah. Because why? It's not God. <laughs> like in Course in Miracles, they'd always make a distinction that the conditional mind or the mind of man can make but can never create. Only mind of God can create, if you want to use the term God. Only mind can create. Yeah. The, mind, the conditional mind makes. So what the conditional mind is makes itself by being obsessed with it all day. Yeah? It makes it seems like you're a self. It appears to you to be a self, but you're not a self. Yeah? So that, that urge, that agitation is now seeking rest. How can agitation seek rest? When it, when it lands in rest, it gets agitated. So let's, let's say if it has an experience of peace, yeah? enjoys peace of mind. It's also addicted at times, so it entertains, hey, I may not have this peace of mind tomorrow. The agitation gets reinstilled, yes? It never ceases. It never finds rest. I've, seen, I've met people who've been enlightened three times this life. One wasn't enough. They've been enlightened three times. Which went, you know, how many more is necessary to bring about rest? What is agitated, inherently agitated, which is something's desire to become can never be fulfilled, so it keeps appearing and appearing and appearing and appearing and appearing because it can never be so. Yeah? That desire, if it runs into anything that, that could be called peace, it's not going to be able to sit there and enjoy it. Yeah? 
It's just like in, in spirituality, they, call, they have a statement called abidance in the truth. It sounds really good. Abidance means to rest in the truth, let's say. Well, that same energy that you would call abiding in the truth in a spiritual way is the same energy that you call obsession with self. It's the same energy. It's the same interest and attention. One is put into something that's, that has no, uh, no possibility of being at rest because it's constantly in the completion. It's constantly attempting to become. Yeah. So when that, that interest and attention is on that, it's called obsession with self. If that interest and attention could be broken from that slavery, it may, be, it may fulfill the desire or the feeling of being uh, abiding in the truth. It's the same energy. Exact same energy. It's just where it's going. Yeah. Or where it's being directed from. If it's being directed from self, that seeking produces a sense of a seeker, which produces more seeking, and then there's more seeker, more seeker. It never stops. Seeking is not about finding. If you've ever been a seeker, seemingly, in this life, you'll realize it has nothing to do with finding. You're not interested in finding anything, really. You're interested in seeking. Because the seeking gives you a sense of being a seeker. And that's what your mind's truly looking for. It wants to have a sense of being a something, yes? A seeker. So seeking, seeking, seeking. I've noticed it. People go to a place and they have a wonderful day, and yet they can't rest there. They can't cultivate that. They can't just sit and say, okay, I got it. Yeah? They have to seek, think, well, if I spend more time and do more, then I'll get more of it. Yeah? It's never ending. If it gets one little piece, it may enjoy it for a second, but then thinks, I can get a bigger piece. It's like we, have, we did a talk in Massachusetts, so this guy was in some incredible class where they had him doing these really hard exercises. And this one thing, he stood there for 17 minutes with his arms like this, you know, holding with the hopes of this, you know, something happening. <laughs> Something's going to happen with not what you're hoping. So there you are, 17 minutes. And then he, then he, he just collapsed and nothing worked. And he asked me, well, what should I have done? I said, you should have held it for 18 minutes. <laughs> if you held it for 18 minutes, it would have worked. That's the mind. It's like the carrot constantly. Yes, if I just, I'll go, I'll do another retreat, even though it didn't work. But this one will, because it's going to be a two-week retreat. And I'm going to a really nice place this time. And i got different teachers that I can talk to. It just goes on and on and on. It's, in Hes it's just incessant seeking. How could, how could what can't be at rest find rest? It's just realizing you're not that. You're not that which cannot find rest. That's peace. You're disengaged. The mind... It's like, let's say there's two centered and self-centered. Yeah. Self-centered. We've all had a lot of flavor same, it's the same statement, but let's say centered. So let's say if your interest and attention wasn't self-centered and was on centered, yes, that interest and attention would be your immunity to the self thing. It would, it would fortify the awareness I'm not that. Yeah? It would illuminate what was appearing not to be you. The same interest and attention when it's up in this little porno theater, watching what's happening to Paul all day, what it thinks is going to happen next day or before, that thing, that's what's driving you crazy. I'm telling you, the movie isn't that good. It's the audience. It's the audience that makes it good. It's the mind that makes it so enthralling. 
Because the story, bored, the story is boring as hell. I mean, you've been telling it up there for 30, 40, 50 years, 20 years. But it's the audience, it's the rapt attention and interest the mind has on it because it's me. Yes? That, the, what fuels the whole fucking film. What would happen if it wasn't you? Maybe. The possibility it may not be you. What would happen? The mind would lose interest in it. You wouldn't have to pry the interest off it. It would lose interest in it. it would, your interest would leave that and go maybe somewhere else. Yeah. What I found, it's like, it's like the calibration of the emphasis shifts. Yeah? Your interest and attention leaves the porno theater and goes outside. Starts checking things out, you know, loses interest in itself and gains interest in others, yes. Gives up its, the, its idea of its little plants and designs being so important. There's no, there's no work you need to do. It's just a recognition of something that isn't so. From what's so. Yeah? You're never going to be something that can see what you are. It's impossible. There's no, there's no seer of the scene. Yeah? There's no, like if you're, when there's the sense of consciousness moving through this body, you know, the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, you and I are never going to know the scene. We're never going to know what's hearing. We're never going to know what's feeling or tasting or touching. It's not a, that's not on offer. Yeah? Why is that? Because there's nowhere you can appear other than that. Yeah? You could not be something that's other than that. Yeah? So I would say, why, I, am, I am the seeing of what I'm not. So all day, you're seeing what you're not, aren't you? You're seeing thoughts up here, you're running into things, touching things, and this and that. In a sense, I'm constantly seeing what I'm not. Yeah? But I can never see what I am. But I'm the seeing of what I'm not. So you can get what you would call seeing yourself by the seeing. Yeah? You'll have an intimation of what you are by the seeing, by the verbing that's going on. Yeah? In other words, you'll know it in the knowing, yeah? You'll see it in the seeing. You'll hear it in the hearing. Yeah? You'll feel it in the feeling. You won't find it anywhere else. And after a while, you'll have a sense it's you, in a sense. Not you as Paul. And then the emphasis of the mind shifts a little. That's all it's needed. There's a little recalibration. So now your interest and attention is, let's say, on the side of no-thingness instead of totally invested in thingness all day. Yeah? And I find why it's invested in thingness because it's taken itself to be a thing. When it realizes I'm not a thing, it loses interest in things, I'm telling you. And I believe it gains interest in no-thing, in a sense. So now you sense a presence that you weren't sensing before, yet you're sitting in a room and there's the same space as always been, but now you sense something in the space that you weren't sensing before. Did something just show up? You know? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't there until you deemed it something of value, then it shows up. I wouldn't I don't believe that to be the case. Yeah. I would be I would be the sense of what I am is that, is that space here. Yeah. So just like we used to start when we did the talks in the dry dock. A huge difference between a thought and my thought. It's a huge, a huge difference. Yeah. If you're traveling all day and some of your attention's on the thought system, let's say they say you have seventy thousand thoughts a day. That's incredible. 
let's say you have a thousand thoughts a day. Just let's say. All right. And let's say the thoughts weigh an ounce. So you've been traveling ever since you've been accustomed to seeing that, those thoughts, and taking yourself as being the seer of them. You've been traveling with a thousand thoughts a day, or a thousand ounces, yeah. You go up hills like you ride a bike, and it doesn't seem there's any drag, because you have never felt or sensed it could be different. You, a thousand ounces just seem to be the way it is, yeah. All right, so, okay, you do pretty well. But let's say if that same thought that weighs an ounce is, is, is uh, preceded by a thought or a movement of mind called my, yeah, the act of being identified as. Now, my thought, now weigh that. What was an ounce could be easily a pound, probably more. Yeah? It usually grows the longer <laughs> the day goes on. Let's just say, so there's a pound. So now you're traveling every day with a thousand pounds. You're going to feel pretty fucking burdened, aren't you? And you may not be able to put any sense to it, but there'll be an imperative inside that you want relief, wouldn't you? I would say so. And so now a lot of seeking is going to get generated to find relief. From this, that seems to be unbearable. Yeah, you can't entertain being free of it because you've claimed it. I'm that. I'm the thinker of that. So you can't often your thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> you can't give up the parenting of your thoughts. So there's like, well, I need to get therapy. I'm gonna just lie about them. I'm just gonna avoid them. I'm gonna just, you know, disassociate. I'm gonna deny them. I'm gonna distract myself. So there's a lot of seeking going on to get out of that system. But what happens is self, which is a thought itself, yeah, trying to get out of self <laughs> is impossible. Yeah? <laughs> a product of a mental process cannot leave the process that made it. Yeah? It just can't, it doesn't exist anywhere else. So the whole idea of self getting out of self is actually one of the biggest forms of being what you call in self. Yeah? It's like a little dilemma. There's people, everyone's trying to get into the moment. They're trying to get, you know, there's a lot of books out there. I don't know if they still come out, but they used to. You know, how to get into the moment, or how to really be into the moment, or how to really, 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 I mean, verifiably in the moment. Yeah. But the point is, that's based on the idea you could be out of the moment. Yeah. Isn't it? Now, have you ever questioned the impossibility? Of, have you ever been out of any moment of your life? <laughs> so, first of all, I believe we're the moment. It's not that we're in a moment, but we are that moment. So how we're trying to get into something we could not possibly be out of, aren't we, most of the time? And then a lot of people believe they're in self, and they're trying to get out of it. And actually, if you go to the places that are, get, are in the business of getting out of self, they talk about self quite a lot, yeah? How to get out of self, yeah? Which is a form of being in self, isn't it? So when you're trying to get out of something you can't be in, that's like the activity of believing or appearing to be in it. Yeah. When you're trying to get out of something which you can't be in, then that activity would be the appearance, right, of being in it. If you're trying to get out of something that you can't be in, then the appearance of being in it would be, would, that would be the, you're trying to get out of it would be actually the feeling of being in it, yes? Just like the thing, you're trying to get into what you can't get out of, and you're trying to get out of what you can't get in. That's the beauty of the message. It saves fucking time. It takes no time to get out of somewhere that you haven't been in. It's impossible. <laughs> it doesn't take any time to get out of what you haven't been in. 
You just realize you haven't been in it. Yeah. The whole constraints, and I'm telling you, time has a huge influence here. The idea of time soaks this whole place up. The whole self-centered system is inundated with this idea of time, totally drenched in it. I will be better. Yeah? It's all, all our hopes and aspirations are usually thrust into a future possibility, which causes us to believe we're not there now, which is the real dilemma, really. The feeling like this moment isn't enough, but that moment will be great is an incredible torture, a mental torture. Yeah? Because you never arrive at that moment, because when you arrive at that moment, it's this moment. And it gets the same treatment as every this moment's been given. Oh, it's this fucking moment. I want to get to that moment, yeah? It's insane, right? It's slavery. But doesn't that mean that there is no time? It's exactly there Everything is no is time. Now. Hmm? Everything is just Yes. Moment. Yeah. But look at the thought system. Every thought has time in it. When you think about being okay, it's I will be okay, usually. Yeah, is it? Usually. Yeah, usually. So time, the whole point of the solution is that it's timeless. It has nothing to do with time. Yeah? One download of this can erase 40 years of mental scribblings on the blackboard of time. Like that. Like it never happened because it never did happen, actually. That's the feeling because it's so. It never did happen. It was just an appearance, yeah? So this timeless solution is... It comes in and inserts itself into time. Let's say we call it a pause, or the people call it an epiphany, or you have a lot of these statements. But in that time, it's a timeless event where something is very obvious, and it's you are not there. That's why it's so good, really. That's why an epiphany is really sought after, because it was the absence of you. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is, the head rises and says, I had this incredible epiphany. So it, the, the selfing is attempting to claim its own absence all the time. Yeah, it's incredible. And then it's wanting to be here when it's absent. So everyone's seeking the experience of being free from self, but they want to get it as a self. <laughs> you have to see the futility. You don't have to. There's a futility of the system. The system, if relied on, is failed. That's its reliability. It will fail. It is failed. That's it. It can't, it can't be successful. It's a failed system. So when mind is relying on this failed system called self, it's going to produce with its faith or with its ability to entertain, it's going to entertain unbelievable things that could happen that aren't happening. Yeah. It's going to entertain, I could be fucked next week. And it will go off on it and really get really, really specific. But it's not actually happening. That same faith, if taken out of that slavery of that system, is what produces a sense of ease and comfort now. It's the exact same faith. It's the same energy. Yeah? Same energy. If it's put into this one vehicle, it produces that. If you're a devotion, if your mind's devoted to the thought system called self-centeredness, what is it producing with that devotion? Anxiety. Yes? You're worrying about something that isn't going to happen as if it happened now. We're all miracle workers, all the minds. Every, because, you know, that guy Lazarus, you know, that Jesus supposedly raised from the dead. At least he was alive at one time. We're raising experiences out of nothing, all day. I'm sitting here worrying about three weeks from now. No one else sees that, because it's not happening. Yeah? 
No one's hearing it, no one's feeling it, no one's tasting it, no one's touching it. I'm the only one who's privy to that event through the thoughts, yes? What happens if I'm addicted or have faith in those thoughts? It produces a crop. I feel contracted now. And I may be in an idyllic situation with a waterfall, tons of money in my pocket, great health, lovely wife, everything, and yet there's no ability to enjoy that because my mind is entertaining that. Yeah? Does, doesn't that, you know, the whole concept lead to this real passivity because nothing tends to matter anymore? What do you say? Well, I was just thinking, it's like you almost would do nothing, like to get into this place by the waterfall where everything is wonderful, I mean, you have to plan that in advance, and it's kind of like what you're saying is just stop worrying about what happens to the self and just, you know, I, I, it's like just be in the moment. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. And the thing is, no matter how much you planned, I've ended up at waterfalls with no plans at all. <laughs> the way I used to make plans is I bought a ticket, then I went on the trip. I had no idea what I was going to do, but as soon as they put the money down, I'm going. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. The idea, a whole lot of doing happens. There's never been you as the doer. It's just a story, yeah? You're an action figure. This, act, this body's wound up. It's going to have a certain amount of time here. It's going to keep acting. But you're not the actor, that's all. I'm not even saying that. I'm just, it's like an, uh, an invitation to entertain it. If you're not the actor, your acting may be much smoother and much more spontaneous and immediate than the way you're doing it now, seemingly. Yeah? When you're not the doer, does it mean nothing gets done? Yeah, tons of shit gets done. But not by you. And thank God, because it was by you. <laughs> You know how much weight that is to believe that you had something to do with everything that actually happened through you? Yeah, unbelievable. Yet in our program on recovery, it says the first step, you were powerless over alcohol. So what does that mean? If I'm powerless over something, it has power over me. So it basically tells me what I'm going to do more than I'm going to tell it. Yeah, it's like dancing with the gorilla. You're going to stop when it wants to stop. You're not going to say, stop, gorilla. and <laughs> He's not going to listen to you. You're powerless. And yet... Realizing that when I drank that stuff, alcoholism became the dominant thought system, and then it, it was apt to do anything through this apparatus, yes? And yet still, years later, my head, in that sense of being the doer, wants to claim the guilt and shame based on what happened out there. Yeah? And it's not that it just wants the guilt and shame. What it does with all that entertaining of guilt and shame, there's a you that gets reflected. It's like Narcissus in a, like a full-length mirror room. It's just constantly losing itself in it. Yeah. Oh, I was so bad. Can't let me tell you all these things, horrendous things I did to people. You're just basking in the artificial light of that fake sun. You got, you know, those guys, people that when they sit out to get suntan, they have those aluminum foil things. Basically, all day we're just like this. Everything just soaking. It's all about me. All about me. If you weren't the doer of your life, whose would it be anyway? If you weren't the doer of your life, whose would it be anyway? 
Your whole premise, the whole selfing's premise is being the doer. The whole premise, its whole storyline is you're the doer, that you had free will. You could have gone this way or that way. It's its whole story. That's going to give them a lot of credit being selves. <laughs> First of all, maybe it's the same eye looking out of all these different camera locations, yes? And maybe the whole premise of life isn't so much on the, in the content end of it, but in the seeing end of it, let's say the contextual sense, yeah? So maybe if the, maybe if the real validity of life here is actually the contextual sense of awareness, it's the, the importance of what awareness is aware of may be very diminished. Now, we don't believe that because we're one of the things that are appearing in the content of awareness, and we'd rather think that we are very important, yes? So it's not the seeing, it's the seen and the what's, and, and, the, and the, see, the seen and the seer, yeah? Isn't it? When most people are sensing, I don't know about most people, let's say you're seeing right now. What happens with the head? The head claims being the seer of that, and then the emphasis goes on the seer and the seen. The seen gets forgotten, isn't it? I mean, if you sat and just realized, Jesus Christ is on this, you know what I mean? <laughs> I can hear notes. I can, what the fuck's going on? I didn't make this happen. I couldn't have, right? But there's very little attention in that. It's mostly on the see or seeing. So there's seeing going on. The way the mental process translates this is the seer, seeing, seeing. But the emphasis is on the two poles, the subject-object, yes? This is called duality. That's what they were trying to screen, that old Zen treatise, not to. The duality isn't either or, yes or no. The duality is the dualism of subject-object. You taking yourself to be the subject, and everything cast as an object to you. In other words, how I view and experience this is happening to me, yes? The me represents the subject. Whatever's happening is the object. That's the two-ness. That's what it's saying, crying out for, not to. It's that two-ness that we're not, yeah? Not two. Because how is that two-ness ever going to merge into oneness? It doesn't, it can't fit. Yeah? Subject-object isn't just this out here, male-female. It's primarily subject-me-object-you. Yeah? All day, everything is thrust into this relationship. I'm the subject, life's happening to me, yes? Even you talk about enlightenment, it's an object to me. Well, God, I'm going to know God. Yeah? I, I'm the primary subject, and God is like an object to me. And if I'm not interested in it, I never, never feel God, never sense God. But then one day something dawns me, I think I'm going to turn my life over to God. I'm going to become a knower of God. But the, real, the reflection is more on the knower than God. You're the bigger God, in a sense. Yeah? This is called subject-object. If you're not that, it, it's... It wreaks havoc in that whole system of dualism. Yes? And then what you are becomes evident. It becomes obvious. Not by seeing it as a false subject, but by being it as the seeing, as the hearer. Not the hearer, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting. 
What's that consciousness, that nothingness is what I am. Which isn't playing the game of duality. So when thoughts arise, you see them as thoughts. In subject-object, you see them as I'm the thinker of those thoughts. Or they're about me. Yes? You can have a thousand thoughts, and if they're held as I'm the thinker of them, each one of those thoughts are like another chain link to that bondage to the idea of being the self. What is it? It's incredible. Do you digest your food? Usually. You do. You're doing the digestion. So you have a certain day in the week that you digest. It's like doing your laundry. I got a... No, it just it's Wednesday nights. I got some burritos. It happens automatically. <laughs> oh, it happens automatically. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, but, okay. So it's, it would be funny if I said I was the digester, wouldn't it? Like, I, uh, like a to-do list I have. I get to the burrito at 12. And then those... Fritos I had last night, get to the four, and I got five minutes between interviews where I'll, I'll get that fucking ice, you know, Agendas, who I shouldn't have eaten that. Some guilt, you know, da, da. Yeah, it sounds funny, isn't it? But it's, does it, it's, doesn't it sound funny that you're the thinker of the thoughts? That you believe you're doing the thinking? When you can't even digest? Does that mean that there's, um, the whole concept of being an individual is false? <laughs> That's what I'm attempting to apply here, yes. That's the whole point of the message. Yes. So then everything is just one... No, don't go, don't go to the next... That's, again, that's the conceptual. You've now objectified it. Just leave it at what you just said. Just leave it right there. Yeah? See what happens is, you hear it, and immediately this becomes a subject, and the message becomes an object. That's, that's like when the... When you get the, you know, you're a lion, 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 you're a lion. And then it's hurt, and how it's hurt is, I can become like a lion. See? This becomes a subject, it makes the message of, uh, an object, and now you as a subject, maybe I can become like the message. Maybe I can get this message. Maybe I can take advantage of this message. That's the dualistic, that's the subject objectifying of the message. The message is just hear it. And then it goes, hey, is this about that there is no inherent, long-lasting, independent, separate entity? Yeah. Oh, leave it there. Just like that. Don't go to the next thing. But, yeah. Can you see how the mind wants to be subject to that? So message comes in, it's questioning subjectivity, but the mind immediately wants to subjectify. Oh, yes, I'm thinking about this message. I'm going to get this message. That's it. Just when the pause occurs, rest in that pause. The mind comes out of that yogic posture of selfing to receive the message. And that's how it gets a sense of its own size. Is when it starts entertaining. Hey, I'm not that. That's what happened with me in alcoholism. There I am suffering seemingly <coughs> as an alcoholic. I'm identified as an alcoholic. Suffering from the consequences. You know, I'm trying to do everything I can to get a, like a little bit of acreage on that plot I once had. You know, oh yes, oh great. Alcoholism, I'll therapize you, I'll socialize you, I'll civilize you, I'll try to appease you, I'll try to win you over, I'll try to negotiate with you. You know what I mean? No! I want more, more. You know? But then my head entertained, hey, I'm not that. What did it entertain next? I could be free of it. When you identify as it, you cannot be free from it. You can only entertain being free as it, which is part of being identified as it. That's part of the slavery. Wouldn't you be better off if you'd never heard about spirituality? I bet you would have been. Fuck. I've seen so many people go through so much torture 
trying to become spiritual. It would have been better off if they were just watching giant games every week, and just hanging out, eating hot dogs and fucking drinking, whatever, playing cards, having fun. They get this, oh, I've got to get, I've got to wake up. Oh, God, help you. <laughs> please, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> It'll just drive me fucking crazy. But if I'm not that, yes, if I'm not that, my mind can entertain, I can be free. Not as that. I'm not going to entertain truth from there. I'm going to entertain the truth that I'm not that. Yeah? And then see what happens. And what happens is you get placed in an I don't know state and you start finding out. And it's quite revelatory. Because the mind comes out of that yogi posture and it starts uh, intimating. It's, you start getting some messages in a sense, some downloads starting to occur, and this knowledge doesn't get caught in this like this vortex of selfing. It goes into your gut, like an unspoken yes. You're convinced. You you know with certainty, yes, and yet the certainty is totally uncertain yeah, because it's always new. So, yeah. So if I described you the ocean all day, and we talked that we had meetings about the ocean, and little did we know that we were identified as waves, yeah? We didn't know that. We thought we, thought we were a wave. Yeah? So we wanted to get to know the ocean, which would be held to a wave, yeah? It would be. The waveness would keep it from ever getting to know the ocean. It could study it, it could do this, but like it could never get to the point, like Ramana Maharshi says, when you, to know God is to be God. So to know the ocean is to be the ocean. For me, it is to know that you're not a wave is the ocean. Yeah? If there's an identification as a wave, then that wave will spend years studying the ocean. It will dive in the ocean, but never constantly be wet. It will always have the dryness of thinking it's an individual wave. And it will suffer the absence and it will long for, which is written in spiritual poetry, longing for the emerging in the ocean. But the fact is, if you're not a wave, what are you? An ocean. Yes? It doesn't take any time to get from the wave to the ocean if you're not the wave. If you're not the wave, that's the ocean. It's not like a long process, yeah? It's only a long process to a wave because it wants to know the ocean as a wave. But if you're not a wave, that's the ocean. It doesn't take any time from a wave to go in, to be the ocean because it's never been a wave. It's just an appearance of ocean called a wave. Yeah? It's never been a wave. It's constantly, it's just like the waves in a sense. It's like, the selfing is almost like waves. They constantly keep coming. Constantly, constantly, constantly. And they always crest and then collapse and have a big ball. But they never actually be. They never complete themselves in a sense. It's always like selfing, 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 selfing. So, to me, it's not to have a great understanding about the ocean. It's just to have a simple understanding I'm not a wave. Yeah? Then I don't have an understanding of the ocean. I live as the ocean. It's much different. Much different. You're not looking to get wet. You realize you're totally wet. Yeah. Look at it. Selfing is unfulfilled. Let's say beingness or centeredness is totally fulfilled. It's complete in and of itself. It's not here to uh, 
complete itself here. It's not here to achieve anything. It's not here to come to fruition. It's maybe here to express, which is what I think manifestation is. Yeah? It's just expressing. Yeah? Expressing, expressing, expressing. Then what is it if we're an addict and we don't want to be an addict? <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad addict. <laughs> if you're an addict and you don't want to be an addict, you'll seemingly live like one a lot. If you're an addict and you admit to yourself you're an addict, then you won't have to live like an addict. Yeah, that's the little trick here. Didn't you notice that a long time ago? Yeah. To some extent, but it comes and goes. When you, let's say, if, you want, if you're afraid of being a fraud, then you feel like one lots of times, don't you? Yeah. So for me, in a sense, there's a little mental situation here. Most alcoholics are denying they're an alcoholic or an addict, yes? On a deep level. And in that denial, that's actually the verb of, of addiction. They're acting like one all fucking day. So this is a way that the mind can turn around here. So it goes, instead of trying to not be what it thinks it is, it totally admits yeah, what it's afraid to be. And when it admits that completely, fuck, I'm an alcoholic, then freedom from alcoholism occurs. And then hopefully the next step is, and I'm also not that. Yeah? But when there's a mental denial, of something, you'll be that more than ever. But when there's a true, like, a true denial of it, that's that. So if this is a way of, alright, claiming what you're not wanting to claim, let it sit, let it rest, get, feel that implosion, oh no, this is the last thing I ever wanted to be, and then, and then I'm not that also. Yeah. But while you're saying I'm not an addict now, when the addiction is so strong, it's all bullshit, isn't it? But when I say I'm an alcoholic, I have no meaning to it anymore. Someone say, why do you say you're an alcoholic? Fucking who cares? I could say I'm not an alcoholic would be the same thing. Yeah. It's when you don't want to be something, you seem to be that a lot. Then. All that's desiring to become. It's not just one way. A lot of times there's a feeling you're something. You're so sure of it. There's no real evidence, but you're so sure of it. And most of the desire to become is to become something other than that. Yeah? So you're spending all the time trying to not be what you believe yourself to be, which is usually made up completely. Yeah? <laughs> it goes both ways. And you look at someone, oh, I'd really like to be like that. Oh, oh I don't want to be like, you know, it just goes, it's not, there's no point to it. It's just seeking, 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 appearing to be, appearing to be, appearing to be, appearing to be. But all the while there's a seeing that's allowing that to be noted, yes? I would say we're that seeing. We're the context. We're like that open sky that everything appears in. Yeah, but what appears in the sky doesn't affect the sky. We're just like that. We're the context. We're the space of this, spa of this place. We're the space, yeah? We're not the things that are appearing in it. We're the space. Would you say then that we, we're just being? That we're not self, you know, we're not that, we're just being. See, I don't like to do that because, again, it just goes to that thing and it'll be a feeling you are just being. I'd rather just question the you, not even question it. Just entertain, hey, I'm not that, yeah? And then find out. It's much better you, for you to find out what it feels like to be than to have an idea of being, yeah? It's going to be a lot different than any idea you ever had. It has to be. Yeah. It's like, this is totally economical. It pairs you down. You get stripped more and more. 
all your defenses, all your all the layers of of uh, mental concern about the you get stripped. Yes, you see them, and that's why that's how I like to use the term traveling later because it's sort of like that. You just get pared down every day, less and less, less. There's less and less of you in a sense, <laughs> and the less of you, the more of this. <laughs> Not meaning there's more of this, it's just the, the awareness goes to that, it leaves this. Yeah. It's really like we are the, the presence of our own absence, really, that's what I'd say. You know? We are the presence of this, of our own absence. When your interest and attention gets lost in this, it doesn't go, it, it can go to other things, but I find it goes home to nothingness, yeah? So now you're interested in attending to nothingness or the space of this place instead of all the things that are appearing in it, yeah? So you sense a presence, if you like to call it that. And that never blinks. It never, it's totally reliable. It's when mind finds, when it's like, see, it's like in Zen they'd say the mind sees its original face. When it sees its original face in a way, obviously it's not a face, it, it lays down, it rests, yeah. it finds peace. It's not agitated anymore because it's not in the desire to become anymore. It's coming out of what already is and always will be and always was in a sense. It's timeless. So there's no, this isn't attempting to complete itself. It's not attempting to sort of uh, come to fruition or achieve or anything like that. So it's very at rest. When mind becomes aware of that, it rests very well. And it exhibits itself or expresses itself here. You travel lighter as the action figure. And that's what every action figure wants, really. But they can't have it as them. That's the dilemma. Really, it's exactly like St. Francis says, what, what, what's looking is what you're looking for. What's looking is what you are looking for. What's looking is what you are looking for. But you'll never see it as a you. Because you would objectify it. You would be the subject in the sense that's what's looking is the subject. Yeah. Yeah. Same friend, what a great statement. He's tried to say this tons of time. He says, okay, everyone's seeking, obviously. He's saying, what's looking is what you're looking for. What? Yes. What are you going to do with that? It doesn't say who's looking. <laughs> that, we, we take care of that. <laughs> what's looking is what you are looking for. <laughs> yeah. So, why, is, why, is, why can't the you? So the you would be a who, yes? So the who can't see the what, no matter how much it looks. <laughs> the who cannot see the what. But if you're not the who, that's what's looking. Yeah? Yeah? You see it? Right then, right that moment, that's what's looking. When the who drops out, and the what's looking is what's looking for. It's the same thing. <laughs> and what's it looking for? What's looking? <laughs> it's complete in and of itself. Because while it's looking, that's what it's looking for. <laughs> There's no hidden treasure out there anywhere it's seeking. <laughs> it's already found completion in the looking. <laughs> Shit. Didn't take any time, did it? No. <laughs> I wanted 
to take time. <laughs> so I can see really important things. I've been practicing so many years now. Sometimes I find myself fantasizing about something cool that I want to do or whatever, and I get all happy and I'm thinking about it, and then I go, oh yeah, I already that's it. I'm going to go do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You'll, you'll have a lot of time on your hands, that's for sure. That's why a lot of people are driven to be busy, because they are scared shit of having time on their hands. Yeah, really. To have no, you know, to be doing nothing is an incredible event, really. (laughs) This is just something to be repeated. That's why we do this message, yeah? It's an invitation or a message. You don't get like a 50-page invitation, do you? Did you? It's a, someone says, hey, come to my house for dinner. All right, that's it. Yeah. Message, not a giant 500-page dissertation. No, just, hey, you're not that. Right. Then it gets into the mind, and the mind is in that yogi posture, and it tries to reach it this way. It can't get it this way, so it has to come out a little bit. I may not possibly be this. And when it does, it starts coming out. And in its movement, it recognizes something. I'm not that. I'm not that, which all of that activity is implying. I am not a stick figure. <laughs> I'm not a little object running around. <laughs> you know? It's just, it doesn't take much for it. It's just very quick, you know. I'm not that. And if, there's, if there seems to be a falling into that maelstrom again, repetition is helpful. That's why we have three meetings a week. It wouldn't be good if I just came here and shared it and then said, oh, fuck, what they go That could happen. But I rather, I feel like beholden in a way. If I'm going to say this, I've got to show up and keep saying it in a sense. It's not me. It's a story about it just comes through. But I would, there's a sense of, like, uh, like part of the seat assignment would be not, to, oh, here, you're not bad. Bye-bye. <laughs> It's nice to just keep entertaining it because that's what helped me. When I heard this first, it got in, it bypassed something, it got in pretty good, and then I started entertaining it. And I heard it from other people, and a lot of people provided, like I'd go to India and they'd have a talk every day. So I'd see this one lady, I saw her about 14 days in a row, and I'd see another guy at the afternoon just to hear, hear. Never asked any questions, just listen. But my mind was entertaining it, yeah. It was entertaining a possibility that was novel to it. And, uh, and it just, something happened, you know. My mind uh, came out of that yogic posture and then sort of grok something. And uh, I really didn't, there was no one to know it happened, but I could see that things changed after that and they kept changing, yeah. Like especially with the program of recovery, when I read the book, the whole book, so many words with whole totally different downloads than when I had read it like four days before. You know, especially the word self. The word self had a huge downloads going on that it's a foreign installment, that it's like a parasite, that it's not, yeah, it has nothing to do or near with what you are. Yeah. It's just an activity of mind. And I had never seen it from that far away. And I had always been, it had always been really close up, yeah. I thought I knew self, but I knew self as a self, which isn't self-knowledge. But this put a big space between something and that. And I could see it from the distance. It's sort of like I 
You know the problem by the solution. Yeah? You really do. You know the problem by the solution. The problem recedes and you know. You go, wow, that's, that's why it was like that. Because it's not like that anymore. Yeah? You can say, oh, that's why it was like that. That's what it was like, but it's not like that. That's what gives you the eyes to see that. Because it's not like that. And then when you realize it's not like that, you get a sense, though it seemed to appear, it was never like that. This was all a giant charade of mind. This whole thing is a pantomime. It has tons of movements, but no real effect. Tons of gyrations, but nothing gets done. Tons of activity, and nothing's happening. It's just incredible. It really is. It really is. Time is just like an elongation of a crazy idea. Yeah? That's the mind takes this idea, I'm a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and then uses this idea of time and stretches it out and makes it a historical story. Yes, I was back then, and I'm going to be, whoa, that could be terrible in that way. And, and let's not think about when it ends. And it just gets fixated on this. and just obsesses over you somewhere else at some other time. Just thinking, thinking. <laughs> and it seems like it's real. It seems like at this time is real. I was here yesterday. I know it. And I can feel the scars and my skin's sagging, you know, like this. And everything's happening. But, you know, in one second, it's puff. It's like it, the real strong hit is that nothing ever happened to you. Literally. <laughs> nothing ever fucking happened.